We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Chargers Analytics with Arjun. And this is going to be sort of my like season preview episode for the Chargers keys to success to be a Super Bowl contender and not only to be a contender, but to win the Super Bowl, right? Like, I don't think I'm the only Chargers fan or even NFL fan who believes the Chargers are legitimate contenders this year. They are the sixth, they have the sixth highest odds to win the Super Bowl, mostly around 1,400 to uh, plus 1,500 to plus 1,600 on most books. So really excited, obviously, for the team this year. And I think they've done a tremendous job of building an offense around Justin Herbert and a defense that fits what Staley wants to do. Now, I'm sure this type of episode you guys have probably heard on different podcasts or read about it on different blogs or or seen different articles about it by like ESPN or or PFF. But trust me when I say this, like I don't think anyone will have the stats or the data or the data breakdowns like I will um, in this episode. So I do think it's worth a watch and and to give you guys just like a better understanding of like how I think about football and um, ways that you know you guys can can think about football as well. I'm not saying the way you guys think about football is wrong. I just want to present a different view. Obviously, I come from more of a analytical background. So let's start with the Chargers keys to success. I kind of rank these by um, in importance the way I see it. So number one is a, a top five offense, right? The Chargers last year were a top five offense. They didn't lose anyone of importance except Andre Roberts. They improved the right guard spot, and there's still a position battle at right tackle, which I'll get to in a, in a second. But the Chargers have continuity all across the board on the roster and the coaching staff, except for Frank Smith. I fully expect this team with a healthy Justin Herbert and at least some healthy weapons to be a top five offense. And this is why, right? Like, this is a graph by my friend uh, Tage Seth at Tage FB Analytics. Um, one of you know the better graphs to illustrate how important it is to have a good offense over a good defense. Every single team since 2011 that has made the Super Bowl has had at least an above average offense. And a, and a majority of these teams have had top five offenses as well. Highlights the importance of not only being able to move the ball at will, but also put points on the board, right? The, so the offensive and defensive ranks aren't by like yards per game or points per game. Remember, I, I like to use EPA stands for expected points added, basically measures how 
uh, if you're getting closer or further away from the goal line, it, it's just a better measure, measure of offensive efficiency than yards per game or points per game, which is uh, kind of deterred by some other contextual factors that EPA takes into account. So again, having a top five offense is super important, which is kind of related to having at least an above average defense or average at the, at the worst. And, you know, the Chargers last year, we can all say we were a bottom 10 defense. I, I don't even think the run defense was like, the run defense is obviously the biggest problem, but it, I don't think people are talking about how bad the pass defense was, which everyone thought would be a strength of, of the team, right? And it's not that the corners weren't healthy. Even when the corners were healthy, guys like Michael Davis were having bad years, Chris Harris Jr. I mean, there's a reason he hasn't signed with an NFL team yet. He says he has five teams interested, but none of them have signed, yet, signed him yet, right? Like he, had, he didn't really have that great of a year last year. So again, um, having an average defense is important. Uh, like a, the major, a majority of the teams that have made, have made the Super Bowl have at least had above average defenses. And it doesn't, it doesn't really need to be that important to have a top five defense, right? Only, um, only five teams, uh, no, sorry, only six teams have had a top five defense since 2011 and made the Super Bowl uh, using EPA per play as a, as a measure of defensive efficiency. So not too worried if, if the defense shows up in like the eight to 12 range. We just, it, they just can't be a liability again for another season. Um, the next thing, right tackle, right? Like I, I know this this point has been harped on all offseason. If you listen to any Chargers podcast and they haven't brought this up, it, there's probably they're probably not talking about the right Los Angeles Chargers. But the thing about right tackle is it just can't be a liability. Like, like I would take if Storm Norton or Trey Pipkins give us average play, that's enough for me. And this is why. So um, one of the things we've been doing at PFF uh, is looking at the idea of like weak link units. What a weak link unit means is you're only as strong as your weakest link, right? It's it's kind of like the basis for any team building exercise or or anything you you learn in like when you're growing up. So this was a study done by my fellow intern and friend Judah Forking at Throw the Damn Ball on Twitter. Basically, what it's saying is um, EPA or offensive efficiency in general gives you marginal positive returns up to a certain point. So the x-axis here is looking at successful blocking. This just means um, the player received either a zero or a positive grade on a play by the PFF graders. And the y-axis is EPA as a result. So what this is showing is going from bad to average net gives you a positive marginal increase in EPA. And it, the result is almost linear, which is a good thing. But once you go from average to good and good to, to great, there's diminishing returns, right? So for, for my uh, listeners here who have studied econ, you probably understand this well, but basically for the non-econ you know econ people, this is just saying going from bad to good is important. Going from good to great is important, but it doesn't really net you add as big of a return. So in relation to the chargers, think of Storm Norton and Trey Pipkins as the bottom of this line. An average is this point right here where successful blocking is equal to 90%. Okay, so going from awful to average, the Chargers get about like point, like about 0.07 uh, expected points added better, right? That's a big, that's a pretty big jump. And that's an important jump. If the Chargers can get average offensive tackle play and go from awful to average, that's all we need. That's all we're asking for. And if they can go to go to becoming uh, above average, that's even better. But like we have to temper our expectations. So 
Um, it's not really about Storm Norton and Trey Pipkins being bad. It's it's more like how much of a liability are they? Because like even if we get slightly improved play from Storm Norton, that's going to improve the offense as a whole. And I also think we need to be realistic in the fact that you know we're probably going to suffer at least some type of injury. I'm not wishing any injury on any player, but there is going to be some type of injury along this offensive line. So you know the the type of liability or how much worse we get at that position is also going to be important. And if we lose someone like a Rashawn Slater or Corey Lindsley, who are elite in this type of metric, we ought, we would see decreasing margin or we would see negative returns um, in terms of offensive efficiency, just because no one's as good of a pass blocker on this team as Lindsley and Slater. Next, um, wide, re wide receiver three situation. Uh, I, I think this is pretty straightforward. I just I think if the Chargers can get a third reliable receiver, they're pretty much the fourth option in the receiving game behind Keenan, Mike, and Eckler. But getting a reliable receiver three also signifies that we can handle a potential injury to Keenan or Mike, and we can have someone like Josh Palmer, Jalen Guyton, or DeAndre step in um, without any breakdown or misstep in the offense uh, going forward. But one of, one of the studies we've done at PFF is the importance of secondary receivers. So basically, this is saying um, at especially in the playoffs, like you're the amount of secondary receivers you have, it's more important at some point to have quantity over like quality, if that makes sense. You want to have more receivers that can get open than one elite receiver that can get open. Now the chargers are lucky enough to have two guys who are pretty good in their, in their craft with Keenan and Mike. So this wide, wide receiver three situation isn't super important, but I, I do think it's important to have this type of like backup plan in case one of them goes down. And also um, if guys like uh, Jalen Guyton and DeAndre Carter can be used in roles, not just for gadget roles or, or deep ball throws, because you don't want to be one dimensional like that when they're on the field. So I did think this was an important key that the Chargers need to sort out, but I think they've been doing fine in training camp. So not as big of an issue. Um, depth and quality in the secondary. So this is an important one. And this is a study I did at PFF, which I'm going to show here. So one of the things we looked at is this idea of a perfectly covered play. As you can see in the caption, or my face might be blocking it, but basically um, as the number of negatively graded players on a play increases, the offense becomes more efficient. And that's just standard thinking, right? So basically what I define as a perfectly covered play is when every single player on the defense that is in coverage records a grade of zero or positive which means they all did their job or they did their job better, right? They, they either perfectly cover the receiver or they receive a neutral grade. So when that happens, the offense averages about a negative 0.33 EPA per play, which is awful, which means they lose about three points every single time the defense perfectly covers a play. Now, thankfully for offenses, this idea of a perfectly covered play doesn't happen as often as a broken coverage, which is what you see um, with the amount of plays that happen each time. So how this relates to the Chargers is like last year they were playing in a pretty complex scheme, right? The corners. And that's why the Chargers needed to go out and sign players who knew, who knew the scheme. Devontae Harris is saying Bassey. Both of them are not very good cornerbacks. They're replacement level, below replacement level cornerbacks, if we're being completely honest. So the amount of times that you could have this type of negatively graded play or not just negatively graded play, the amount of times the Chargers had more than one person mess up on a play was pretty big and they they struggled at times in coverage which is why teams generated a lot of explosive plays against them on the ground and in the air which isn't something that Staley is necessarily known for or a, a Fangio Staley type defense so um it, this takes me to my next table which is 
the best and worst cornerback trios at this of perfectly covering a play, right? So basically, um, this is these are the best corners at all getting a grade of zero or better um, on a play since 2019. And our guys, Chris Harris, Michael Davis, and Tawan Campbell show up in the bottom five. They only perfectly covered a play at on 43% of their plays, which rank, ranked in the bottom five. And they had a decent enough sample size of um, from 2020 to 2021 and 20, or from 2019 to 2021 and 2021 to 2022, or tw 2020 to 2021 and 2021 to 2022. Uh, it's a tongue teaser, but, but yeah, like the chargers with this cornerback chair were terrible. And obviously Asante was in there sometimes, but I mean, this, the cornerbacks last year, were not has shown up at number one. He's been either number one or in the top 10. So I'm really excited to see um, the Chargers in this metric next year. Um, but but yeah, I think depth, not only just depth, but the quality of their top three guys and them staying healthy is important because you, you want to be, you want to have more of these plays where everyone does their job and the offense takes a step back rather than have an explosive play. I'm um, staying aggressive on fourth downs, right? Like Brandon Staley had a great press conference, basically said, um, his his mindset on going for fourth downs it's mostly a feel but he also likes to tie in data which is which is fine right like not every coach or no coach is going to say I just use the data because I think you do need to have a bit of a feel for it but um, you know it's it's good to see that he's still aggressive because you know the Chargers last year had the fourth highest um, the fourth highest rate of play of fourth downs that they should have gone for it and they did which is obviously a great thing to see and you know, have other really smart teams like the Packers, the Colts and the Browns up there. Um, and so the, the Chargers have done a good job of taking advantage of, the, of these small edges that can be found in, on going for it on fourth down. They did that last year. And I know for sure they're going to be doing it this year because they have Brandon Sealy and they have a lot of smart people in that organization. And finally, throw often and early. This should be a bombs away offense, right? Like I'm not saying throw the ball deep, I'm not saying throw the ball short every single time, but you want to throw often and you want to throw early. This is the Chargers breakdown of their pass rate or pass frequency over expected. So uh, to de decipher this, basically um, Ben Baldwin, who's a NFL analytics guy, basically created a model that, that created the probability that a pass would occur. And if a pass does occur, um, you take one minus the probability that uh, ben Baldwin, Ben Baldwin's model said the pass would occur, and you get the over expected. So the Chargers basically threw the ball more, or threw the ball more than expected on every single type of situation there is, except third and one and two, which which is fine, right? Like, because the thing with third and one and two is half of these third and ones are actually second and ones because the Chargers are going to go for it in fourth and one or fourth and two, even if they lose a yard. So I'm not too worried about them being negative here. Honestly, it's fine, but. But you like to see Chargers having a 5% pass rate over especially on first and 10. And, you know, across the board, they were just overall throwing more than expected, which is what you want, which is what they should be doing with a guy like Justin Herbert, who can sustain a high volume of throws, unlike other quarterbacks who you may need to run the ball a little bit more because they don't have the arm to throw deep all game or they don't have the arm to sustain the type of volume that Justin Herbert had. Now, throwing often does not mean late in games when you're trying to grind out the clock you should always be throwing that's that's a different scenario right but like when you're in a neutral game script or you're ahead or behind by one score i think you should with justin herbert be trying to achieve the optimal pass run ratio which i think is closer to like 70 30 or maybe 65 35 percent 
Um, and the Chargers have done a great job of that last year. And I, I'm really excited to see how this continues next year. So those are my keys to success. That's what I think the Chargers need to hit on to you know, make it back to the Super Bowl. Obviously, there's going to be other things like staying healthy, which is which is the common thing for every single team. But, you know, that's that's just out of their control. Like sometimes you can't really um, facilitate health. Obviously, having a great sports science staff like the Rams will help there. But not every team has access to that. So this is things the Chargers can control and and places where I hope they develop and they, I hope they are able to stay consistent, especially like with fourth down play calls or fourth down decisions and um, passing often and early and being an overall good offense, which I have a lot of faith in this offensive staff and a lot of faith in these offensive play, uh, players that they can make that happen. But um, if there's any other keys to success you guys think I missed, um, I, I think I highlighted all the major ones, but I didn't want to get into too much of the nitty gritty with this. But, um, you know, leave a comment if you think there's anything I missed and I'll be happy to check it out, reply to it. But, you know, thank you all for listening to this video. And with that, as always, bolt up. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.